The views in this do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Good afternoon, Raleigh, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. It's August 24th, and the time is 4, let's see, 4.01. And on behalf of the team here at WKNC, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I'm Nick Weaver. And I'm Marissa Jordan. Later in the show, we'll have this day in history to see what remarkable events have taken place on this date in the past. A look at the weather for the week, and as always, Jake Winters brings you his snow-rated review. This week, he reviews the movie Hail Caesar. Nick brings you his modest mouth review. This week, he reviews the album Hum by Erie Wanda. But first, Marissa gives us insight into her Redress Raleigh fashion show experience. Last Friday night, I was lucky enough to attend the Redress Raleigh Fashion Show at the Contemporary Art Museum in the downtown Raleigh Warehouse District. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the fashion show, Redress Raleigh is the presentation of fashion lines of local designers whose clothing are made in environmentally friendly ways. This is what drew me to the show. Redress Raleigh is also a nonprofit and focuses on educating people about the impacts of their purchasing decisions. The nonprofit has put on an annual fashion show since 2009, and each of the designers showcasing their work at the event must complete a summer-long educational and mentoring program to learn about the different aspects of responsible fashion. The six designers featured this year were Mary Ashlyn Thomas, Ashley Mason, Piper Honingman, Timothy Cohen, Katina Gad, and Juliana Fottle. I really enjoyed each designer's lines, and I don't think I can pick a favorite. I will describe some of the best aspects of each designer's line. Mary Ashlyn Thomas's line was comprised of pieces that could be converted from office to evening attire. Thomas's line was practical yet chic, and in my opinion, reflects the lives of many working women in America. Ashley Mason's collection was inspired by the 1970s. Her pieces were badass. All of the women modeling her clothing looked like members of a very cool and coordinated girl gang. Piper Honingman's line was created for the modern hippie, as she put it, and I would agree. Her collection was comprised of long, flowy skirts, soft off-the-shoulder tops, and layered dresses. Her collection was Asheville streetwear. Timothy Cohen's line was a men's line and was inspired by the Fibonacci sequence. His pieces were colorful, yet stylish. I personally would like to see more men dressed like that. Katina Gad's collection was made from organic fair trade dyed cotton. She works with a women's weaving cooperative in Guatemala, and I loved that you could see the Guatemalan inspiration in her designs. Finally, the last designer, Juliana Fottle, created a collection of earthy ethereal wedding and bridesmaids dresses. I really loved her unconventional take on the wedding gown. 
Fottle's inspiration was the desert, and that was apparent in the neutral hues of her collection. Overall, one of my favorite parts of the entire fashion show was the diversity of the models. And I mean diversity in every aspect of the word. I saw women of all body shapes walk down the runway. Traditional Twiggy-like models, curvy models, petite models, muscular models, you name it. I also saw women of a variety of different races. Conventional big name runways are often criticized for their lack of diversity when it comes to their models. Kudos to you, Redress Raleigh. Best part about all the models, they all rocked it 100% and looked gorgeous in the process. After the show, I had a chance to meet up with some of the participants of the show, models and their designers alike. Here are what the participants of Redress Raleigh had to say on the show, their experiences modeling and their collections. My name is Timothy Cohen and my brand is Prospectus Clothing and my clothes are bold, distinct and experimental. It's based around the Fibonacci sequence, which is a series of numbers that is seen throughout nature. Each look is vibrant, colorful, and fun, exactly what I wanted to do for my first runway. Hey, I'm Joe Peoples. Uh, I'm a friend of Timmy's, and uh, it was a great experience. It's great clothing. I love the looks. Uh, it's like a nervous energy backstage, but once it's like you're out on the floor, you just get into it, and you really start to get going, and as soon as it's over, it's over, and uh, it's really exciting from there, and it all loosens up. My name's James Dudley. I was a model for Tim Cohen. Um, it was an excellent experience. He made great clothes. He made it really easy to walk in them. The entire redress experience was awesome. Um, a real shout out to everyone who was part of it for helping put it together and allowing these great artists to share their work. I'm Lillian O'Brien. I'm a senior at Cardinal Gibbons. And today we showed at Redress Raleigh with the group Step from Summer Textile Exploration Program at NC State. Uh, it was a really good experience. And we each went through one week at the camp where we stayed at the college and worked on apparel, transforming old garments and old dead stock fabric into new designs which is sustainable, so we focused on sustainable fashion. And as part of the program, we had the eligibility to show our designs tonight at Redress Raleigh, a fashion show celebrating um, sustainability in the fashion industry. So it's been really great. Hello, my name is Ashley Mason, and I'm the creator of Rook and Roman. My designs are centered around the idea that eco-fashion women of all shapes and sizes. I really enjoy designing for the kind of women that I, uh, the kind of women that I envy and I want my designs to empower the, uh, the people that wear them. And I love when someone puts on an outfit and uh, they get this look in their eye and that let you know that they feel empowered by what they're wearing. If you have the chance to attend the Redress Raleigh Fashion Show next year, I would highly recommend it. The atmosphere was cool, the designers were incredibly talented, the food was exquisite, the show had my undivided attention for its duration, and finally, it's for a good eco-friendly cause. It's a win-win situation for us all. If you're interested in seeing what I saw at the fashion show on Friday, you can check out our blog at wknc-eot.tumblr.com. For the first time, I had a photographer, Mason Smith, attend the event with me. Mason took some fantastic shots. I would recommend taking a look. I'm Marissa Jordan for Eye on the Triangle.
Hello and welcome. I'm Nick Weaver of Eye on the Triangle, and you are listening to the Modest Mouth Review. Every now and then, when I decide what to review for the week, I have literally no idea what to choose. Either nothing I've been watching for has come out, or I'm just in a slump, but whatever the case, on those weeks, I'll grab something from the new releases pile here at WKNC. Today is one of those days, during one of those weeks, meaning the album I'll be reviewing today is Hum by Eerie Wanda. Now, I went into this review with no preformed expectations for both parts A, because I couldn't really guess properly what exact subgenre of indie it was going to be based off the album cover and description, and B, because it's Eerie Wanda's debut album and I had nothing to go on previously. So right away, you know that you're either in for a pleasant surprise or a complete pile of garbage. Thankfully, Hum is a pleasant surprise, but I'll get into that in a second. First, we'll start with the question I always ask at the start of a review, which is, just who are Eerie Wanda? Well, for starters, it may be equally appropriate to phrase it as who is Irrywanda, as the band began as the music project of Croatian-slash-Dutch singer-songwriter Marina Tadic. Huh, that's actually a pretty familiar name. Let me just do some Google-foo here and... Aha! No, wait, never mind, there's nothing here. So I guess she's just got one of those names that stands out. At any rate, Tadic seems to be the primary driving force behind Irrywanda, providing songwriting talents, vocals, and guitar. She's backed by Jasper Verholst, Bram Verveet, and Nick Nijebruja on bass, guitar, and drums, respectively. That's about it, really. Outside of the lineup, I think it's interesting to note that, like many artists, Tadic started out by just recording demos in her bedroom and passing them around to her friends and family. Now, on to the album itself. As I said before, I actually liked it quite a bit. Irrywanda can be described as sort of a dream-pop indie rock sort of sound. It's not a precise genre, but it gets the point across. Hum features clean, spacious guitar with long delay, subdued and cymbal-focused drums, and a bluesy but not depressing smooth bass line. Smooth is a really great overall term for the band's sound. It's peaceful but not boring, sweet but not saccharine, and longing but not moody. When I close my eyes and listen for a minute, I picture myself in a small coffee shop-like venue with a greenish-blue light cast vaguely over the stage. The house lights are all down, and the band really is just going at it. They're not wild or bouncing across the stage, but when I see them, I can tell that they really feel what they're playing, that the music is coming from somewhere deep down. It's calming and interesting at the same time. Thematically, the album varies just enough to keep you invested without venturing too far from what the core feeling should be. Hum utilizes the cultural background of Tadic well, allowing for Croatian and Dutch traditions to creep in places like vocal runs and percussion. There's a general Eastern European vibe that floats around throughout the album. It gives the album a nice touch of that foreign nature that we all crave in new music whilst mixing in traditional Western techniques. While the influences aren't obvious or jarring in any way, if you listen closely, you'll be able to detect traces of it here and there, dotting the album like icing decorations on a cake. Another place where this shows is through Tadic's accent, which is as lovely as it is charming. 
I suppose what I'm trying to say is that the album has a level of depth in its blend of geographic origins with Western practices. Not every album can create such an interesting blend, and I appreciate Eerie Wanda's accomplishment in this regard. Outside of this, Hum isn't too wildly different from most indie dream pop. It has its own value and staying power, but I wouldn't say it's breaking any boundaries or reinventing the genre. It's simply a valuable addition to it, and I think that's fine in and of itself. Hum is a beautiful cloudy day, an upbeat adventure of a long, peaceful walk. And really, sometimes that's all you need in an album. I would recommend this one to fans of bands like Desarc, Best Coast, or Mozzie Star. For my final rating, I give Hum by Eerie Wanda a positive 4 on a scale of negative 2 to 7. I wasn't blown away, but I certainly was pulled in by the unique charm and character of the album. Once again, the name of the album is Hum by Eerie Wanda. That's all for today. I've been Nick, though I'm also known as Lens, Plesk, Meerkat, or just that dude who can't dress himself properly in public. I'm less fond of that last one. As always, you can send in a review request by tweeting at WKNC underscore EOT or by emailing publicaffairs at WKNC.org. Thanks again for listening in, and I'll speak to you all again next time. This is Jake Winters for Eye on the Triangle. This is Snowverated, and today I will be taking a look at the film Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar was released February 1st of this year and is the latest of the Coen Brothers films. If you vaguely remember hearing about the Coen Brothers before, allow me to elaborate. These men are the same men that brought us Fargo, The Big Lebowski, A Brother Where Art Thou, and the list goes on. Between them, they have four Academy Awards, many of which they won together, and some of which they have won separately. So going into Hail Caesar, it's a little bit hard not to have expectations. My feeling is that when you go into a movie, you should never have any expectations at all. You may have seen the trailer, and you may have even read a little bit about the story, but before you have actually seen the movie, there's no real way to judge it. Nothing really comes close to actually seeing it. Going into my viewing of Hail Caesar, I wanted a Coen Brothers film. They have such an iconic style, and it is so pleasing to watch. I really just wanted this to be another hit like all Coen Brothers fans did. Unfortunately, I can't say that this film was a hit. It failed to really impress me in most ways. Their style of filming was still there, and the world that they had created was obviously made for their style of storytelling. But the story itself was just uninteresting. 
It didn't seem like it had any real direction, and the side stories and characters had a minimal effect on the main plot in the film. This always makes the plot feel flimsy. There's just so much going on, and you are constantly trying to figure out how it all relates. In many cases, that can be a good thing, such as a movie like The Big Lebowski. There are multiple side stories involving the main character, which ties them all together, and we just follow the life of Jeff Lebowski for a few days, and at the end, some major things happen that tell us the film is over. In Hail Caesar, we get a bunch of scenes with different characters, none of which really stand out as a main character, and a lot of side stories end up relating to the main story, but a lot of it really does not matter at all. By comparing two of the Coen brothers' movies together, it becomes much more apparent which of their movies is worse. It would be unfair, though, to only say bad things about this movie. There are some redeeming qualities, one of which is that the acting is very well done. And a trademark of the Coen brothers that allows them to have such great acting is that they usually use all-star casts or at least some very well-known actors. Not every character is a huge actor, but the main characters are usually recognizable. The way in which the Coen brothers write their eccentric characters makes them need very talented actors. So it isn't exactly necessary for the Coen brothers to use famous actors, but many of them also happen to be great actors, whether many would like to admit that or not. Acting in Hail Caesar almost could not have been done better. It almost highlights how incongruous the story is when the actors play their parts to a T and the narrative just won't fit together. My favorite performance of the many performances in the movie was Channing Tatum's. I think it's fair to say that many people discount Channing Tatum as an actor. He seems like another pretty face of Hollywood with only that going for him. But in reality, he really does have talent. You get glimpses of it in movies like 21 Jump Street and Magic Mike where the plots are a little thinner and don't really allow the actors to do a lot of development with their characters. But in Hail Caesar, with a plot that is almost too dense, there is not enough the actors can do to make their characters more eccentric and personal. Seeing Channing Tatum in a role I never would have pictured him in was one of the most enjoyable moments of Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar is watchable and really not that unpleasant to watch, but nothing ever really brings closure in the movie. There is a conclusion to the story, but it feels like such an open ending, and not to mention the other loose ends in the movie, it's almost like they realized after writing the film that they didn't like it anymore and weren't able to give it a satisfying ending. Or it could have been that they wrote different character stories and then in the end attempted to bring them together and failed. In any case, the movie definitely did not meet its potential. I had high hopes for the next Coen Brothers film and was let down. I'm going to give Hail Caesar a 2 out of 5. Everything about the movie was there beside the story. They had all the funding and staff to make a great movie, and in some ways they did, but something is definitely lacking in Hail Caesar. It's hard to say what is really missing in the plot overall, but whatever it was made the whole thing fall apart. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Eye on the Triangle and Snowverated. I'm Jake Winters, and I hope you enjoy the rest of our show and your evening. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC FM Raleigh. The time is 4.20. I'm Marissa Jordan. And I'm Nick Weaver. For the weather, today, Wednesday the 24th, we're looking at partly cloudy skies with Thursday going to be mostly sunny with a high of 91 and a low of 71. 
On Friday, we're once again looking at mostly sunny skies and a high of 95 and a low of 72. Saturday will be mostly sunny with a high of 95 and a low of 71. And finally, we're ending this week with sun. Sunday is forecasted to have a high of 92 and a low of 70. On this day in history, for our history buffs, in the year 79, Mount Vesuvius erupts. In 1954, Congress passes the Communist Control Act. In 1981, John Lennon's killer is sentenced. As always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, let us know at publicaffairs at wknc.org. And be sure to check out our blog at wknc-eot.tumblr.com. You can catch another episode of Eye on the Triangle next week right here on WKNC. And if you would like to be on the next episode of Eye on the Triangle, we are always looking for new members of the team, so you can contact us at publicaffairs at wknc.org. I'd like to thank our contributor this week, Jake Winners. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Marissa Jordan. And I'm Nick Weaver, wishing you all a great Wednesday afternoon.